morning. How's everybody today? Praise the Lord, right? And I tell you what, it has already been a great day of worship and I just, um, I'm just thankful for our church, thankful for our family. Um, it is great to come together and gather together each week and uh, it restores my soul, gives me energy and excitement about the days ahead about what God's doing in our midst and all these things that God is literally doing right now. A lot of times people say, well, God's up to some great things and there's some great days ahead. But the truth of the matter is, there's great days today. And God is doing great things in our midst, in our lives. We're seeing it happen. We're, we're hearing the stories. We're seeing it unveil right in front of our eyes. And it's, it's just awesome. And I don't want you to miss that. I want to encourage you today. Um, today is a special day in the life of our church. We will ordain three deacons today um, for the deacon ministry. So this sermon is kind of like a, a continuation of um, Live Sent, the sabbatical series, if you will, of what God was teaching me then, and I'm going to continue this week and next week to share. And um, then we're going to um, walk into a different season of, of things in Scripture and we'll also, and I want to go ahead and, and say this, if you have the opportunity to register and to sign up, adults, youth, youth up, uh, I believe is where we're going with this, for the Connecting the Dots Conference. Who knows what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. Okay? If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to check on your uh, piece of paper right there, and you see Connecting the Dots. And we need to sign up for that conference. Joel Mom from San Antonio, Texas, one of my dear friends and author, counselor, minister, teaching pastor. He's going to be here with us for the week. That is the week of our annual Pastors Roundtable conference that we do here, and we're hosting that Monday and Tuesday, and Joel will be with us uh, that whole entire week. So on Sunday, morning and evening, um, we'll begin kind of a pre-conference session uh, during our worship service that morning, and then two sessions that night with him, and uh, fellowship meal and everything in there. And then also on Wednesday night, we'll close with one final session. And it is going to be fantastic, and we're really excited about that. So let me encourage you to go ahead and sign up today for that. Um, it's going to be great. And if you have any questions, you can see any of our um, ministerial team. We'd love to answer those questions. It's going to be great. So we're finishing, uh, in the next two weeks, we're finishing this kind of the sabbatical series. Today we're going to talk about um, Peace Like a River. Remember that song? I've got, y'all need to go back to camp because it's a good song and y'all need to get on this, okay? I've got a river, I've got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river in my, come on now. I do love you, I do, but sometimes I worry bad, I do. I have to pray a lot, you know. Listen, peace like a river only comes from staring at Jesus. Thanks, y'all. That's my sermon today. That's it. And the church said, amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Chuck. I appreciate that. I would say Cindy slapped Chuck, but, you know, hey, we don't want all that. So here's the deal. Jesus... 
is never there to trick us. Jesus is never there to manipulate us. He is literally so honest with us that he says things to us. It's so, I don't know where we got all this. If you become a Christian, if you follow Jesus, if you get saved, your life will be hunky-dory. You'll never have any problems at all. You're going to get rich in the process, and you're going to get everything you want and all that kind of stuff. I don't know where that came from. Actually, I do have a few, few ideas, but that's another story. But it's wrong. It's not truth. It's lies, even. Because Jesus himself said things like, if you want to follow me, you're going to take up your cross every single day. Like, that sounds fun. Let every day get up in the morning, right after your shower, just lay down and let them just hit those things right in, you know, your, your wrist again. That's the picture, y'all. Every day we're to carry our cross. Every day we're to sacrifice ourselves. We're to give up things to follow Jesus. He said in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. He didn't say maybe. He didn't say, man, I don't know. The odds are not in your favor, you know, whatever. Um, but he said, you will have trouble. Take heart. I've overcome the world. And you know what I find interesting about that passage in particular? At the beginning of that, he says something I love this about Jesus because he loves his disciples. He loves them so much. He loves us so much. And he looks at us and he says this. What I'm about to tell you is for the sake of peace in your life. What I'm about to say is so that you will have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Take heart. I've overcome the world. And y'all look, I know, what, I know how this works. I know how it works because I've had too many friends and family look at God and say, hey, I can do this myself. I don't need you. I don't need any help. I don't need the encouragement. I, 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 I kind of need you as a God. I'll just say you're, you're my God and everything. But the reality is I'm my own God and I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm going to work hard to make my money and do my stuff and, and then die and... Let the chips fall where they may. There's nothing sadder to me than to speak with a Christian on their deathbed, someone who claims to be their, a Christian on their deathbed, and, and I'll ask them a question like, well, are you sure of your salvation? And they'll look at me back and they'll say, well, I hope so. And they'll say something like this, well, I hope, you ready? I was good enough. Because that's missing the point. Jesus died for you because you can't be good enough. Yeah, you can't be good enough because I'll guarantee you this. If you're like me, you got saved at church camp and then you went to youth group or you went to church or you did something and you tried to be good enough and guess what? You could not do it. I'm 52 years old plus some and I'm still not good enough on my own. But there's good news about that, y'all. There's good news for me about that. I'm not going to stand before you and you're not going to judge me for whatever. I'm going to stand before God and he's going to look at me and you know what he's going to see on me? The blood of Jesus Christ. He's going to see the blood of Jesus Christ on me. Not all the bad stuff, not all the sin stuff because that's not what he sees anymore because guess what? In Revelation it says Jesus has come to make things new. 
So I want you to hear this passage of Scripture, and I want us to just walk through this one verse. Uh, actually, it's two verses today. He, Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Um, we're going to just kind of look at this for a moment. Then we're going to move on to 2 Corinthians, the one Brandon read earlier, and we're going to park there for the rest of our time together today. But this is what it says in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. So I'm going to kind of do a pre-sermon, and then we're going to go hit it real quick. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, fatherly, for for right here, for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and give up. Here's the reason I put that passage of Scripture right there. That passage of Scripture is there for this purpose. It's the very last line of it, the very few last words after the comma, after himself. It says, so that you won't grow weary and give up. Because see, the peace, when we're, it's kind of like the anti-peace. The anti-peace is growing weary and giving up. Okay, The anti-peace is when you and I try to do it on our own, the chaos of our world, everything falls apart, and the reason you need to look at that first part of that scripture and realize that this is all here for us so that we won't grow weary and give up, so that we can live in peace with God. And so that when the world is falling apart around us, it may be something like this that you say to your spouse or your best friend or, or your mother or your father, hey look, don't worry. This isn't our home anyway. Don't worry because these things we know are temporary. The Apostle Paul says, fix your eyes on things that are eternal. Because they won't pass away. But when we fix our eyes on the things of the earth, that's when we've got our stare on the wrong place. We need to put our stare back on Jesus. I believe this about Job. I believe that when Job lost all that he had, you remember Job in the Old Testament? This is what, if you you study this text, even quasi sort of in a theological manner to study it, you see that it's written kind of like a courtroom case. When you start reading it, you can almost hear the law and order, you know, that thing coming on. You can almost hear that in your head when you read it. Because what's happening is, it's kind of like the, the... the prosecuting attorney is coming to God and saying, hey, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll prove to you that there's, that there's evil here, that, that there's nobody good and whatever. And the, 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 the um, other attorney says this, says this, or the judge in this case, says, have you thought about Job? And she goes, oh, well, you, look, Job's got everything he wants. He's, he's got everything. Let me take care of Job and I'll show you his heart. And God looks back at Satan and says this, you can do anything you want but take his life. And so he does. One by one by one, his messengers come back and tell him of all the terrible things Satan has done to his family, to, his, to even his livestock and his possessions. And, and what happens is this. Job goes through a little bit of a crisis, but it's not much of a crisis because at the end of it all, he's staring at God. So it'd be like God is in front of him and each one of those things is behind him and they're just possessions, they're just things, they're things that God gave. You know what Job literally did? He just stripped himself and said, hey, 
naked I came to the world, and naked I'll go out, and it's all yours anyway, and I'm just, woe is me, and it's all God. Right? Now, I know we don't like to think that way, right? We like to think that we've got a little bit of merit about ourselves. Let me just tell you, I've been reading Ecclesiastes lately, and that will solve that problem. Okay? I want, I want you to, if you write one thing down today and take it out, here it is. It's all about God. It's all about Him. This book, this canon, this scripture that we have collected from the ages, from beginning to end, is the meta narrative, the big story of God. And we get to be in this book. What are you talking about, preacher? That's heretical. We're not in that book. My name's not in there. Yes, it is. Because, see, there's this part of this book that's a vision that happens in John, the revelator, in Revelation. And between what happens at the end of the the story here and at the end of the story here in Revelation, that's us. And we're a part of the story. My question would be, are you shining the light of Jesus in your world? The answer, how to do that, is to have peace in your life. God gave it to us in the beginning, you know. He gave us perfect peace. He gave us perfect harmony. You might have heard of this place. It was called the Garden of Eden. You remember that? And y'all, it was beautiful. It was more beautiful than anything we can imagine. It was incredible that literally you're walking around able to communicate with God, see all these animals you just named, all this kind of great stuff. This great life is beginning And you know what happened. Sin was chosen. So basically God created the shalom. We talked about this last week. The shalom of God. You've heard the word shalom. That in in, uh, Hebrew is peace. The shalom of God. The peace of God. And here's what happened. It's, It's bigger than just, I don't want you to have fights or quarrels among yourselves. I don't want you to have war among yourselves. The peace of God is literally the way He intended it. I want to read something to you about what happened at sin. This is from a book called Not the Way It's Supposed to Be, A Breviary of Sin by Cornelius Plantigia. Sin is a disruption of created harmony and then resistance to divine restoration of that harmony. God hates sin not because it just violates His law, but more substantially because it violates shalom because it breaks the peace, because it interferes with the way that things are supposed to be. You understand that? That this peace that we're talking about today, is is, it's this. It's you're over here, and the peace of God is here, and you line up, and you align with God now. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Do you understand the world is trying to get you out of alignment? It's not a good thing when you're driving a car around when it's out of alignment. It's going it's to cost you a lot more than you want to pay if you don't get that fixed. Think about your spiritual life. If you don't get back in alignment and authority and you're under the authority of God and that's where you are and you keep your just, your, just like Job, you keep your eyes right on God. That God's so big in your life that you don't see all the other stuff that Satan's trying to pull from you and tear away from you and all that. It really doesn't matter because it's all God's anyway. And if you prosper, you prosper. And if you don't, you don't. You're going to live for God. You're going to focus on Him. Because God does not want broken shalom in your life. And I'm going to tell you this. 
when you align with God, He restores the shalom in our life. 2 Corinthians 13, 11-12 says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Become mature. Be encouraged. Be of the same mind. Be at peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. And all the saints send you greetings. You know, when I was a teenager at youth camp, I was like, tell my youth minister, hey, it says it right here. Greet, greet them with a holy kiss. Right? And, and it, it's a good thing we don't do that right now. It's not one of our cultural practices. It's probably a good thing. Right? You, you see somebody going in for a holy kiss, you're like, time out, COVID. I'm sorry. Right? Here's the deal. You know the culture. You know, you know the culture that they would greet one another with a kiss. Okay? Sometimes two on each cheek, that sort of thing. And the culture is one of, we want to be family. Remember the word oikos? We want to be oikos with you. We want to potentially be in community with you. And so we greet one another in that holy kiss. That's what that's all about. But let's break this down first and let's understand the encouragement piece for us to live in peace. Okay? We have to do this. We have to become mature. Now, this become mature, is, it's, it's like this. When you decide to follow Jesus, when you say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, and you get saved, you are like a baby spiritually and you are to grow into maturity can you do that on your own no it is impossible can you do that with people discipling you around you in community yes that is the design so i want to encourage you if you're not being fed if this sunday morning times the only time you're being fed in the week I want to encourage you to get in a life group, get in a study, get in a discipling huddle, get in a place for you to grow and become mature in the Lord, in your faith. Next thing is this, we need to be encouraged. The only way to be encouraged is to encourage someone else. I love this word and, and, and I have a play on it and some of y'all know that about me. But encourage... We need to encourage. Because sometimes it takes a little courage. Sometimes you know somebody needs some encouragement and you don't call them on the phone when all you needed was just a little courage yourself just to reach out and do that. So I want to give you that encouragement to encourage. The next thing is this, to be of same mind. It says that right there in Scripture. How can we do that? Paul talks a lot about living in unity. That's what that's about. That we should literally have the same mind as Christ Jesus. They all go together, can't you see? You can't have unity unless you're together. Right? You can't have encouragement unless you're with people. It goes together. You can't grow unless someone is teaching you. Right? That was honestly one of my favorite things about sabbatical for me was being taught. I, would go, I was able to go to other churches, to other places, to listen to podcasts, to do some things that normally maybe I don't have the time or the margin to do. And, and it was great because I found some people that I want to hear more and so I put them on my podcast, you know. I want to encourage you. 
So that part about being of same mind, it goes on to say that we must be at peace with one another. Listen, church, if you have strife, if you have issues with one another, that'll be, that'll be the reason this church doesn't grow. Because, because it will fester, it will, uh, it will seed up and grow and, and start to sprout, and it will just take over your life, and you'll become a bitter person. That's why you'll hear me even sometimes during our response time say, hey, today, if you need to walk across the room and get right with a brother or sister, do that today. I've heard confessional times where people have said, hey, with that encouragement, I did it. I walked across the room, told somebody I was sorry. We just both started crying, and it was just this great day. We must be at peace with one another. And then it says this. I love this that the God of love and peace will be with you. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that, isn't that our desire? So as we try to live in peace and have peace and give peace, this is that verse that needs to be lived out in our life. It needs to be fleshed out. The most important part of this is you stare at Jesus. You keep staring at Him. I want you to pray with me. We're going to move into a time of deacon ordination here in just a minute. But right now, I want you to pray with me about this issue in your life. And I want you to just ask God, where are you? What's going on? Where are we? Where am I in this issue? Oh, Heavenly Father, today. Today. We've come to gather together as the church. I pray that we are a fragrant aroma to you. I pray that someone leaves this place changed today because they submitted their life to you and are not trying to be in charge anymore. We thank you so much for the opportunity that we have for peace in our life through Jesus Christ. You tell us that we can become mature, that we can be encouraged, we can be of the same mind, We can be at peace with one another and we get to fellowship with you in your love and in your peace. We love you, O Lord. We thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen.